Good morning. It's good to be back among you after a wonderful vacation. But I will say the bright and crisp snow this morning was beautiful. Right? Yeah. And it reminds me of what he does to our sin and our shame and everything that is junk. He can turn it white as that beautiful snow with his forgiveness because of the cross. Amen? Amen. So I invite you to stand as we uh, read our scripture this morning. If you are able, stand. It will be from Acts 2, 36b through 41. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other brothers, other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted the message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day the very words of God. Thanks be to God. So I guess I'm being reminded about prayer pads. <laughs> so one of the ways that we as a church body can continue to um, be connected throughout the week and pray for one another is these pads that go around. So please fill them out. And uh, there's another one, too, with the um, Seder meal that's coming up, if you could sign up on that. And so um, we'll have those going around. I'm sorry. I'm fighting with Dan over there. He's got it. Okay. So have you ever experienced multiple little things that cause you to take notice? For instance, perhaps you're feeling hopeless and sad. And you drag yourself to the grocery store and the clerk who is kind and friendly has a name tag on and it says, hope. And just then your phone dings and you look at it and your friend texts you and she says, I'm praying for you to have hope. On the way home, you hear on the radio, Phil Wickham's living hope and the lyrics penetrate your soul. Jesus Christ, my living hope. The cross has spoken. I am forgiven. The King of Kings calls me his own. Alleluia, praise the one who sets me free. God, you are my living hope. So you get home and unload the groceries and you sit down with your Bible and your devotions that morning happen to be 
Psalm 42, verse 5, and the words jump off the page. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Okay, God's got your attention now, right? Is God speaking to you about hope? Or are these coincidences? Usually, these experiences cause us to become alert and take notice. And we think, God, you're speaking to me now. I'm listening. So I have a few uh, points in regards to this. Wait. Number one is be watchful. God is speaking to us in a variety of ways today, right? And one of them is these coincidences that God ordains. Be alert. What is God doing in our world right now? Pay attention. Henry Blackaby and Claude King in their historic study and book, Experiencing God, said that we must find out where God is moving and join him. In days of God's extraordinary movement, our spiritual ears should be highly attuned to his activity. We must be asking, God, what are you doing? And how can I join you? I had such an experience of a whole bunch of coincidences lining up, and I want to share that with you today. It caused me to be alert to what God is doing currently in regards to revival and spiritual awakening. So back up to last summer, I met with a woman for coffee over here at Panera, and we shared together our personal testimonies. We were just getting to know one another for the first time. The atmosphere around us was charged with holy presence as we felt drawn to each other as sisters in Christ. And she shared her story of growing up in a secular home and environment in Southern California in the 1960s, joining the hippie movement and all that it entailed. A lost and searching soul till her boss at a cafe she worked at introduced her to Jesus and the whole trajectory of her life changed. And she is now a retired pastor. I wept as she shared her journey with me because as she was speaking, the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and, she and the Spirit of God said to me, I did this before and I am going to do it again. So that got my attention. And I began sharing about this experience with others because I was excited about it. And I told, um, well, as, as I began sharing it, I heard many more stories of baby boomers who lived this very experience, who were in the hippie Jesus movement culture of the 60s and 70s and came to know Jesus. And many of them have served the Lord faithfully for 50 years now. And 
many of them have become pastors and missionaries and have made a huge difference in this world. One person that I told this um, encounter with sent me this book called Jesus Revolution. Anybody heard of that lately? It's by Greg Laurie, how God transformed an unlikely generation and how he can do it again. So I read this book, folks, last August. Coincidence? Another coincidence occurred shortly after that. I received an email with the trailer to a movie. Same name, same characters, and it was going to be released in the U.S. in February 2023. I shared this trailer on Facebook in October of 2022 because the Lord was speaking to me about this. The film, Jesus Revolution, is currently playing in our local theaters. I checked with them and they said it's still on this week. If any of you have not seen it, I recommend that you do. Can I just ask how many of you have seen it? All right, you all get to the theater this week. It's, um, it's a powerful movie, I think, especially because it's a true story. It's, um, it's a good film, but it is the true story of what happened. Did you see it, Ken? Tomorrow, all right. Good, Ken's going tomorrow. I'm glad for that. You'll like it. So there are actually many more coincidences surrounding the timing of this movie. Director John Irwin shared that this movie was originally going to come out in 2020, but we all know the pandemic hit and these things were put on hold and it didn't come out in 2020. But when it was scheduled for release on February 24, 2023, Little did they know of all the amazing other things that were to take place around this same time. Remember I said, pay attention. What is God doing? Well, the Chosen series is aired. ESPN would show people dropping to their knees to pray for the Buffalo Bills athlete Damar Hamlin as he lay on the field after a cardiac arrest during a game on January 3. That Jesus' name would be heard and broadcast to the world during Super Bowl commercials. And that, okay, February 12th, so that was February 12th, Super Bowl. And this one I think you may find a little weird but in 2020, a prophet by the name of Bob Jones prophesied that the Kansas City Chiefs would go to the Super Bowl and win it. And he shared that when they won it, it would be a sign of upcoming end-time revival. Simultaneous to the February 2023 20, win of the Chiefs, revival was breaking out at Asbury University. Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky would be the location of an authentic revival that went 24-7 for 16 days, ending on February 23, which already was the date 
of the collegiate day of prayer that had been planned a year ago to be live streamed from Hughes Auditorium on the campus of Asbury University and one day prior to the release of the Jesus Revolution film. Coincidences or prophetic timing of God's plans and purposes. I choose to believe the latter. And friends, this is what gives me hope. And I pray this message gives you hope too. There's a picture of the Hughes Auditorium in February. This revival in Wilmore, Kentucky at Asbury University was nonstop from February 8 to February 23, a 16-day, 24-7 invasion of God's presence upon the campus of Asbury University. They have worshiped the Lord and his son continuously for 384 hours. It was not initiated and it was not planned by any person. It was initiated and planned by God. He did it, and it surprised them all. All eyewitness accounts of the Asbury re revival describe a peaceful, authentic, humble, Jesus-glorifying, student-led, continuous stream of worship prayer and scripture and testimony. The love of God and the presence of God was tangible all over the campus, spilling out beyond the packed out Hughes Auditorium. There were a reported 100,000 visitors that flocked to this small town in Kentucky. People of all ages came hungry for a touch of the manifest presence of God. The small city could not contain them all and the revival had to be suspended at Asbury. But students from over 200 campuses came to Asbury and they have now gone back to their respective colleges and universities and more revival fires are spreading all over this world. Amen? It's happening, people. It's really happening. Be watchful. Be alert. What is God doing and how can we join him? And revival is not new to Asbury University. Historical records indicate revival in the same location in 1905, 1908, 1915, 1916, 1921, and the 1970 revival at Asbury resulted in thousands of lives being transformed and revival spreading to other locations. And it's interesting that 1970 was also the year 
the, the season of the Jesus Revolution. In the late 60s and early 70s, many disillusioned young people were coming out of this drug haze, mysticism, free sex culture, and were turning in droves to the true freedom they found in Jesus Christ. So the next point is be informed. I'm going to ask you, how many of you knew that information I just told you? Three of you. But now you're informed. You all know what God is doing. So be informed. Um, go home. Research. You can read it all for yourselves. You can see it all for yourselves. Read books, watch YouTube videos, listen to credible friends and pastors. Keep your eyes and ears open to what God is doing today. Every nationwide spiritual awakening has been experienced by millions, but also missed by millions. Don't be among those who miss what God is doing. There are also many who will discount and criticize what is happening and even seek to abort it. The phenomena of social media could be used by God to rapidly advance revival. And we saw that with, with this uh, revival. My Facebook feed was exploding with it on, on February 8 already. But also used by the enemy can also use social media to rapidly discredit things and seek to stop the activity of God, right? Because the enemy hates what God is doing. So be on the alert for his lies and schemes, right? So that's the fourth point. Be truth seekers. Be discerning of these things that you see and hear. Unfortunately, there's a lot of deception out there and we must be diligent to seek the truth. Line everything up with God's word. That is the plumb line of truth. It's our standard, not the world, not our flesh, not our opinions, not our feelings, not our emotions, God's word. And these four points spell wait. Wait for the gift my Father has promised, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says that to us in Acts 1, verse 5. Be watchful, be alert, be informed, and be truth seekers. I personally have been involved with groups and organizations that have been praying for revival for a very long time. But we can't ever assume that we can do enough and then God will do what we ask him to do, right? We can't pray enough, we can't worship enough, we can't work up emotions enough. We can't do it because revival is all about God coming down. He chooses the timing. It's a gift of his presence when and where he chooses to give it. 
like at Asbury University. They, it was a surprise. So the chapel service was dismissed. And students, there were, I think they said there were 19 or 20 of them that didn't want to leave. They just kept worshiping, and pretty soon other ones walked by, and they were just drawn back into the chapel, and it just started that way. People were drawn into the presence of God. Roland Baker of Irish Ministries says it this way, and I love this. Revival is all about the reviver. All about the reviver. Nothing more, nothing less. It's all about him. We seek him, we seek him alone. Why? Because he is worthy. That's it. That's it. He is worthy. So where else have we heard of this undeniable stirring of the Holy Spirit? In a time long ago before social media could quickly spread the word of what God was doing, as in Asbury University today, Letters were written and stories were told of the amazing story of the very first Jesus revolution. In Acts, we have recorded an historical account of the origins of the Christian church, the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the beginnings of congregations, and the evangelization of the world. The book of Acts is full of the energy and excitement of the early Christians as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they took the good news of Jesus around the world. Although Jesus had earlier breathed on his disciples and gifted them his indwelling spirit, we read in John 20, verse 20, they still needed empowerment for ministry. We see this clearly in the apostle Peter, who along with Jesus' other disciples, had three years of being taught by Jesus, walking side by side with him, watching everything that he did, watching this role model in Jesus. However, Peter was still deathly afraid for his life, and in his own strength, he was not able to stand up with Christ on the night before his death. Acts 2.14 shows this same disciple... Peter, who crumbled only days earlier, now standing in front of a crowd of thousands, some of whom had participated in Jesus' murder. And Peter is now filled with the Holy Spirit, boldly proclaiming the gospel to these same people and calling for their repentance. What a difference the Holy Spirit's empowerment makes. We remember Acts 1, verse 8. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But it's the empowering work of the Holy Spirit that helped Peter bro bro boldly proclaim the gospel, effectively witness for Jesus, and see people enter the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, I can't do any of that. But he can do that through me as I am equipped and empowered by his Holy Spirit. 
and it's for all. His Holy Spirit is for all of us. So Peter boldly explains to the crowd the events that happened at Pentecost, and then he moves to telling them about the life of Jesus, whom they had recently crucified. We are going to pick up Peter's speech at the end of it, starting with Acts 2.36. So Peter had just explained to the crowd how God had raised Jesus to life. And he confirms that the apostles are all eyewitnesses of this fact in verse 32. He goes on in verse 33, exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And now to our, our verse here. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Whoa! The people hearing this were reeling. They once thought they would restore the kingdom. They thought that, that a king was coming to restore the kingdom to Israel and to rule an earthly kingdom, and he'd been crucified. They were being told that they had to give up this dream of theirs for an earthly kingdom with administration and governmental power in order to attain this new kingdom. Jesus came to rule. Jesus is the one they were waiting for. Jesus is the one true king, the Lord, the Messiah. And they crucified him. What is this kingdom of whom Jesus is both Lord and Messiah? This new kingdom is not just something that we will arrive at someday in heaven. This kingdom is now. Because of Jesus' death, resurrection, ascension, and the pouring out of his spirit at Pentecost, the kingdom of God is now. Jesus is already appointed and enthroned as the world's true king. I think I need another amen. Jesus is the world's true king. And one day that kingdom will be fully realized, but until he comes again, we, the people of God, are put in place to rule in his kingdom as fully equipped and completely empowered by his Holy Spirit to do so. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? How can we get rid of this guilt we feel? And Peter instructs them, and I believe Peter instructs us too, he says, repent of your sins and turn to God. There is no refreshment without the conviction, confession, and forgiveness of sin. And Peter also tells them, be baptized, both water baptism and baptism with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, as recorded in Acts 1-5, for John baptized with water, but in a few days 
you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So that's where we get that term, <laughs> right out of Acts. And then um, Peter says, and then your sins will be forgiven. They're forgiven by Jesus Christ, who has paid for them all with your precious blood. And you will receive this most amazing gift, the Holy Spirit. The very presence of Jesus will be with you and your children as the Holy Spirit lives and dwells within you who are called. Isn't that beautiful? The very presence of Jesus lives in us and our children and all who are called through the Holy Spirit. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them to turn from sin and be saved from this corrupt generation. The people's response is described in verse 41, is very favorable, I'd say. They received the word of God from Peter, and astonishingly, about 3,000 new believers were baptized and added to their community in that one day. That crowd of individuals was soon enfolded into community. The community of the believers who modeled love and deep fellowship and their very existence was a witness to the kingdom of God. And God kept adding to that community as a result. We, friends, have that same hope. When we yield to the Holy Spirit, he enables us to joyfully and effectively serve as faithful witnesses of Jesus as the Holy Spirit continues to grow his church. So in addition to being baptized with the Holy Spirit, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, an important part of every revival is prayer these three important things. Empowered intercession has been the origin of every true revival in history. The first great revival in Christian history had its origin in a 10-day prayer meeting, and we read of that handful of disciples in Acts 1.14. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. The result of that prayer meeting was that the Holy Spirit came upon them, empowered them to witness, and 3,000 were added to their number in one day. Every true revival from that day to this has had its earthly origin in prayer. Both individual prayer, prayer that we pray on our own, and when we get our our prayer email every day and when we sit with the Lord, but it's also communal prayer, gathering together, and there's a lot of power in united, concerted prayer. During the 18th century Great Awakening in America, <clears throat> Jonathan Edwards wrote of the, all these words, it's quite something, explicit agreement and visible union of God's people in extraordinary prayer for the revival of religion. 
we might be asking ourselves, well, what is revival? And what is spiritual awakening? We hear those two terms kind of used interchangeably. And broadly, from a Reformed perspective, revival is the manifest presence of King Jesus reigning in his kingdom. God's kingdom touches every aspect of life. The reformer Abraham Kuyper famously states, there is not one square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Churchleader.com explains it in a more particular way. During a spiritual revival, God supernaturally transforms believers and non-believers in a church, locale, region, nation, or the world through sudden, intense enthusiasm for Christianity. People sense the presence of God powerfully. Conviction, despair, contrition, repentance, and prayer come easily. People thirst for God's word, Many authentic conversions occur and backsliders are renewed. Revival and awakening are generally synonyms. The larger the geography a revival covers, the greater the tendency to call it an awakening. So I hope that helps make a little sense out of it. And I believe this is what we see in the most recent revival happening uh, right now. All of those things occurred and are occurring. To know and understand that Christ is sovereign and reigning over everything and to see and experience God working in this world in extraordinary ways, doesn't that give us hope? It gives me hope. God is in charge. He is in control. And he loves us so much. He, he's going to show us and shower us with more of his love, more of his presence. <clears throat> Friends, in these times of political unrest, racial tension, financial insecurity, sexual confusion, and chaos, it's easy isn't it, to become discouraged, depressed, and even hopeless. You know, many, many are. The Gen Z young people have become known as the most depressed generation of all time. COVID-19 pandemic isolation resulted in extreme loneliness, fear, anxiety, Mental illness, addictions, self-harm, and suicide rates are very high among this population. Could it be that the results of a world being completely shut down during the COVID pandemic has led to worldwide desperation? Could this desperation lead to a worldwide cry to the one who can save us? and pour out a worldwide revival and spiritual awakening? For the Gen Zs at Asbury and other colleges and universities, 
That is exactly what God is doing. His loving presence breathed new life into these young people, brought transformation, healing right on the spot from addictions, from depression. He gave physical healings, emotional healings, spiritual healings. They talked about kids that were not talking to each other, just <laughs> came together and forgave one another and, and were, were worshiping together in love. And all kinds of spiritual healings and deliverance even. And God isn't even finished with them yet. They will never be the same, much like the hippies and the college students 50 years ago with the Jesus Revolution. And soon, they will be the leaders of this nation. Right? God gave them hope, and that gives me hope, <laughs> because I really was not having a lot of hope for the leadership of our generation looking the way it's looking. God poured out his love on those students in a tender and beautiful way, meeting them right in the place of their need. And he does that for all of us. The truth is the Father loves us more than we can ever know. That's true. And he hears the cries of his people. He bends his ears to the prayers uttered daily all over this globe for help, for healing, for revival, for spiritual awakening. He is a good, good father, and he gives good gifts to his children. And he is pouring out his love and his spirit upon all who will come. This is your invitation. Simply come. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. We come into your presence. Some of us are helpless and hopeless and depressed and sad, and we need you. We need a touch from your almighty hand. Breathe new life into your church, holy God. Breathe new life into everyone who hears this message, Lord. We are hungry for more of you. We are tired and weary of working so hard in our own strength. And we surrender ourselves to you, God. We invite your Holy Spirit to take control. Take control of our hearts, Lord. Take control of us as individuals. And take control of us corporately as church communities, Lord God. As you did it in the book of Acts, add to our community each day, each week, those who are being saved. Thank you for giving us hope, Lord. Thank you for giving us power to be your witnesses. 
We welcome revival, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, and revive us again. You've done it before. Do it again, Lord. Amen.